0: And I'm Terry, And this is the Monday Monday Mindset
1: Podcast, Podcast, where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So
0: let's get started with episode number 77. So I thought we could have another roundup, catch-up type episode. We did a behind-the-scenes episode a little while ago, but it's been a while now since we did a roundup of things we've learned, perhaps takeaways that we've put in practice, that kind of thing. So I thought we'd do one of those episodes. Great.
1: So Daisy, if you look back over these past, I don't even know, eight or so episodes, what still stands out to you? Are there any things that you've been working on or trying out related to what we've discussed?
0: Well, Terry, One thing I have put into practice is trying out some 5-HTP. I think I mentioned it was your episode. It was episode number 69 entitled Boosting Serotonin to Improve Mood and Sleep and Decrease Sugar Cravings. And it was Max Mm Lugovia and Michael Murray discussing 5-HTP. And it reminded me that I had tried it before and didn't really remember it having much impact, but thought, oh, why not? Let's try it again. So I did go back and listen to their episode, listen to it a few times, actually. And I'm not going to talk about the amounts that I've been taking, but suffice to say, I've followed their recommendations, which also happened to be the daily recommendation for the company that I used to buy some. I did a little bit of reading up on it and it is quite important, I think, to check the ingredients and the quality of the ingredients. Certainly the company that I used, i it's called something like British Supplements, but they made a very big thing about it being clean ingredients and from a reliable source and a sustainable source and all these things. So presumably that's quite important. But I followed the recommendations and that entails taking... Um, handily two tablets a day and I usually eat two meals a day and they recommend that you take it about 20 to 30 minutes before you eat because it can cause nausea for some people and this is a good way of combating that. It's difficult to tell often isn't it especially when you're trying a few different things at the same time exactly what's working Um, but I do feel overall that my mood is I would call it a bit more balanced. I don't feel like I'm having so many of those extremes, those feelings of dread that I've spoken about, which I guess is anxiety and really low mood. It feels a bit more on an even keel, but it feels different to what I remember, at least from when I started taking Prozac, I was advised that it could leave you feeling very sort of woolly headed. And it did. I remember that. It was like someone had packed my head with cotton wool and everything was a bit muffled. Well, I didn't really notice anything like that. I was looking forward to maybe, um, well, you mentioned a reduction in carb cravings and sugar cravings. I suppose it's not going to have a huge impact on me because I don't eat high carb. Um, But I was expecting maybe I would see a reduction in my craving for the sort of carbier end of the things that I eat, things like nuts and nut butters and things like that. And I don't know. I haven't really noticed that too much. I did for a while at least notice a bit of a reduction in appetite. So I think maybe it has a bit of an effect like that. But mostly I would guess just sort of balancing my mood and it doesn't have. I think the Prozac had a sort of overall numbing effect and Mm -hmm. ended up with me maybe not feeling much of anything. And I don't feel that How much of it is a bit of a placebo effect? I don't know. Um, But I really like the idea of, and I don't know if I'm right in thinking about it in this way, but I look at it as providing the building blocks, giving your body the building blocks it needs to produce its own serotonin. And I really like that idea rather than just trying to provide the end result provide the window dressing if you like it's, it's giving you the blocks to build a structure and to me that fits in well with the way I eat I feel that if I nourish my body well I'm giving it the building blocks to make my body and mind as healthy as it can be if you don't provide good solid building blocks you can't build a good solid structure I think we're very good, aren't we, as humans at adapting at what we've got available and we'll make ourselves work with whatever there is at our disposal, but we can end up with a bit of a flimsy structure that ends up falling to pieces if we're not too careful. So it just sort of fits in with what I think is a good approach. And like I say, I, I don't know if I'm right in thinking of it like that, but Overall, I would say, and I guess the only way to test whether it's working or not is to stop taking it. And I feel like I'm getting enough benefits that certainly for now it's worth carrying on with it.
1: I love that thought about it being more about giving your body something it needs to work the way it is intended to work. And I think that doesn't preclude us from using pharmaceuticals on the other side if necessary. Mm. But I think we've come so far in our approach to things that we jump to the pharmaceuticals first. And you know, no one has a Prozac deficiency. Mm. No one has a, you know, Selexa deficiency. Let's find out first if there's something else, a building block like you said, or something else that we don't have enough of or that we have too much of and need to tamp it down some. Before adding that next layer. So, you know, I'm very biased in this. So I'm I'm very excited to hear you giving this a try. And I think some of us struggle, and I I know I do when at some level the improvement is a little bit subjective. Well, obviously it's completely objective in, in many ways, but I think often when we don't feel well, whatever that means, whether it's mood or physically or whatever. What we want is all of those symptoms to be gone. Mm -hmm. We want complete return to what we think (laughs) normal is. And so I like that you're assessing it. You know, I overall notice improvement. I wouldn't say it's 100% in all of these ways. Maybe my sleep is still a little off. I didn't really notice the decrease in cravings and things. But overall, it feels worth it to be giving my body something that it needs and seems to be providing a little more stability of mood. If your functioning felt like, let's say it was at 45% before, and it's at 62 or 70% now, that's an improvement. And maybe there are other things that can help make the other part. But I think for many of us, it's okay, it was 47%. It's not 100%. This isn't working.
0: Yeah, that's a really good assessment, actually. And One of the phrases that I thought about before we were going to have this discussion and I forgot to use is, yes, overall, I feel more balanced, but overall, I feel more productive as well. I feel like I'm getting more stuff done. Nice. Without overly having to force myself, you know, it just feels like that momentum is naturally going. But yes, I definitely don't feel like I'm working at 95% efficiency, (laughs) but I have seen an improvement. Very good. Which, of course, ends up feeding in on itself, doesn't it? Because you generally start feeling a bit better about yourself. Absolutely. So to a certain extent, who cares what's causing that? But I do feel that it's had a positive impact, yes. Mm -hmm.
1: I think the other complexity, um, and I'm not sure of timing of this for you, but as you mentioned, whenever we are addressing or making or trying out one change, we're getting feedback about that. Some things, though, are happening environmentally that we're not controlling that are also different. But during this time, you've also been not eating dairy. Is that right?
0: Mm, That's true.
1: And so maybe it's the compound effect. Mm. Maybe it's the dairy. Maybe it's the 5-HTP. But the good news is you're feeling better. You know, things are feeling less laborious. and, And so that, you know, that's important. But I think it's challenging for most of us to only address one thing or one change at a time.
0: So what about you, Terry? Are there any thoughts that have kept coming back at you over the last few months? A
1: couple of them. I would say one is your topic on the exercise snacking. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that I'm doing it more consciously on the front end. I'm not thinking, oh, I should have an exercise snack right now. but I think it's helping me to acknowledge that there are little spots throughout the day where I can get some movement in. So for example, when I take the dogs out, I live on the fourth floor, so it's an elevator ride down. More lately, I've been taking the stairs down those four flights, getting them some exercise snacks too. Mm -hmm. So just being a little more aware that there are opportunities to do movement throughout my day rather than When will I do a workout? When will I plan for this exercise routine versus, and I think even on the other side of it, just acknowledging. So for example, I like to walk to places. I'll walk to the drugstore. I'll walk to, uh, I picked up a few things at Trader Joe's the other day. It's about a mile and a half from my house. But I can now acknowledge that like, oh, I just did an exercise Mm -hmm. snack. I just got a good bit of movement In my day. So I think it's just helping me. Like I said, I don't think I'm planning more exercise this way, but I'm acknowledging it more. And that feels good.
0: And I think that probably has... A knock-on effect. The more you acknowledge what you're doing already, gives you ideas, like you just said, about taking the stairs sometimes instead of getting the elevator with the dogs. It just makes you think, oh, yeah, that's an exercise snack I hadn't thought about that I've got, that I do regularly. Let's add this one. These things tend to have a bit of a sort of positive snowball effect, don't they? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: So something I've been mindful about, I guess, when it's happening, but it's a subject that we keep coming back to, dopamine. I found it really interesting in all the different sort of aspects, all the different places it crops up. So thinking about how you can trickle out that magic ingredient, if you like, in celebrating the small steps in what you were talking about, how dopamine trickles out in the pursuit of a goal rather than in obtaining the goal itself, in how it impacts your ability to focus with how much dopamine you've got in that episode. I did about ADHD. I thought that was interesting. And how you talked about back to that same episode about paying attention to the downtime the pain after we get to a goal and that that's important it's an important reset to the celebration that you have around a goal and it's just as necessary like i say as that reset so that you can start pursuing the next goal i just found it it feels like an endlessly fascinating subject Mm -hmm. and i'm sure we're going to come back to it in plenty more times in the future and find out other ways that dopamine has an impact on our lives but I've just been a bit more mindful you know in practically in my day-to-day life of sort of thinking what things are influenced by it and what things it's influencing Mm -hmm.
1: and I think since the time I did the episode on it and then you have done one since then I have been listening to a lot of Andrew Huberman, the Huberman Lab, and so much more information about dopamine. And it, it feels like it's endless. Like There's so many ways that dopamine works in our body. And there's so many different mechanisms that activate it or interfere with
0: it. He has a whole episode on it, doesn't he? I haven't listened yeah. to that one yet, but yeah. it's, <laughs> it's on my list.
1: And one example that I thought was so interesting is talking about what foods we eat. Things like processed foods, bars, you know, protein bars or things like that, or it's actually in a ton of foods, but emulsifiers, Hmm. things that kind of give it the consistency, hold it together, that these emulsifiers affect the mucosal lining of our gut, so the mucus. And that is where a lot of neuromodulators move throughout our system. They kind of go up through this material. And when that is damaged or interfered with, it affects our dopamine. It affects our habenula, mm. <laughs> one of my favorites. And is
0: that where the whole leaky gut problems come in as well?
1: Yeah, it's part of that. Absolutely. And so When you think about, you know, people will look at those foods and think, yeah, but it's got 20 grams of protein and it's got a good healthy fat in it. I should be eating this. Yes, but it's got these
0: emulsifiers. So sometimes the little things do matter.
1: Absolutely. Mm. They're damaging your gut and interfering with your dopamine. So it's blunting your dopamine response, which, you know, that's not a good thing because then we're going to have to seek more of it to try to get that Mm. feeling. And I've been trying to really think more and more about dopamine now as it's a motivating chemical. Rather than just the reward chemical, or I need a hit of it. It is what keeps us moving forward. I don't remember if I shared this in our episode, but when they interfered with the dopamine effect for rats, mm. they still could enjoy the food, yeah. but they wouldn't move to go get the food. And so it's not just pleasure. It's actually about motivation. I think that's really important. And the idea that, let's say, for example, not that I'm encouraging this for anyone, but using cocaine increases our dopamine response per second by a 1,000%. That's huge. Mm. Sex, I think, is a 100%. Cigarettes somewhere in there, whatever. But we get the same dopamine response by imagining it. (laughs) So if someone says, I'm working on not using food or problematic food as so much of my reliance on my dopamine response. But we're looking at recipes, we're looking at pictures of desserts, we're still getting our dopamine response from that. And so I'm not suggesting people substitute the thinking about it for actually having it, because I think that just keeps our quest for it very active. Um, But it might mean having to replace it having to find healthier ways to navigate that dopamine peak and valley response.
0: It's interesting what you say about motivation. And it's interesting that my brain is sort of thinking more and focusing a bit more on dopamine. When I was talking also about, and I seem to remember you uh linking the the impact that dopamine has on serotonin and or vice versa it might have been in that episode when you were talking about serotonin that there was a link with dopamine and when I, what i just said about feeling that i was more productive well, productivity and motivation yep. go hand in hand. So, as you always say, all these things are linked. All these things have a knock on effect on each mm-hmm. other. And for me, anyway, it's always been about just trying to shift the direction towards the positive. That's you know, how I always thought about being in depressive anxious episodes where I was spiraling down and spiraling down and spiraling down. And it was all about grabbing a handhold, a Mm foothold, something, putting a spanner to stop it spinning and slowly trying to turn it back the other way. And it's all about getting the spiral going in a positive direction.
1: Yeah. And now that I think of it, Daisy, as you were just saying that in our conversation a few minutes ago about the 5-HTP that you're taking, the not eating dairy, dairy has a bit of a serotonin effect for us. Mm. So I'm really curious. And again, I don't know that I would encourage you to change your experiment right now, but I wonder if the timing of these two things, the starting the 5-HTP and the not doing dairy, and I know they didn't start at exactly the same time, but I wonder if maybe Taking the 5-HTP is helping you manage not using dairy more easily than in the past when you've not used dairy.
0: Mm, Quite possibly,
1: yeah. Because you're getting the building blocks for serotonin, so potentially creating more of your own serotonin, so not needing the dairy to fulfill that role for you.
0: It's an interesting idea, actually, because I did notice-I mean, the timing would be right. The first couple of weeks, (laughs) After I gave it up that some of the cravings were intense, especially for cheese. It was like, I, oh, there's almost anything I would do for some cheese right now. And I had the conversation with you about I was it was pretty clear to me that really I was cheese was just an extra. It was in the fridge and the problem was twofold. One that I was eating too much of it and I was snacking on it. And it was basically just an extra Yes, sometimes it was part of a meal, but basically it was just an extra, which is not great. And as you know, when you give up something, the first few days, sometimes the first couple of weeks, the cravings are intense and they tend to sort of start dying off. But yes, that did happen to coincide with when I started taking the Mm 5-HTP. So you're right, it might have helped with that. And I have found overall... I've seen a decrease in my snacking. I found it easier just to eat at mealtimes. I'm not saying I haven't been snacking at all, but I've seen an improvement in that as well. And that's mm-hmm. something I've been wanting to work on. So yeah.
1: interesting. Yes. Very interesting.
0: I mean, there are a couple of things that are still on my to-do list. I still want to find a way to include meditation in my daily routine. That's something you've heard me talk about so often that I want to do. And I haven't found a way of incorporating it yet, but I'm sure I will at some point. And I want to add more exercise snacking. I thought that was a good idea. And so those are the two things that potentially can be done in short bursts that I want to include. So whether they'll still be on my to-do list or the I'm doing already list next time we have a roundup, (laughs) well we shall find out
1: and let's not forget to celebrate the fact that quite a while ago you did an episode on cold water swimming and you continue to do that and we're heading back into the time of year where the water will be colder again for you and You've really stuck with that. Like it's really become a routine for you. As something that it seems like, from what you talk about, it's something you look forward to doing. It's a
0: yes, part and of your weirdly, week. that's the thing. We're all kind of looking forward to it getting colder again because nice. there's definitely more of a thrill when it's cold. <laughs> Very good. Very good.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope everyone has some things that they've been listening to us talk about that they're still working on. Hopefully some things they're finding that are helpful to them and looking forward to some new things. Of course, as we have both already said, I'm sure some of these things will cycle back through. We'll talk about them maybe from a different angle, but always just trying to find things that we find interesting that might help you as well. So I hope everyone has a great week.
0: Yes. And let us know. We love it, don't we, when we get messages from people saying that something we've chatted about has helped them and even pushed them into doing something. Our mutual friend, Jackie Fletcher, I think has messaged us both. But she's got into cold water swimming and she has been really enjoying it. We love to hear from you. So if there is something that you've been trying yourself and finding success with, do let us know. Absolutely. But in the meantime... Have a great week. Well, Terry.
1: You know, we probably have somebody somewhere that's imitating that. (laughs) Well, Daisy.
0: Well, Terry. (laughs) We are such a cliche of ourselves now. Mm -hmm.